Yeah, some of you are noticing we got a new uh, intro here to the sermon, and uh, I, I was surprised by that last night too. They never run anything by me around here, and so, uh, <laughs> but I like it. They do a good job. Hey, um, I was on my way in today, and uh, one of my friends over at the chapel, Ron, caught me and said, you know, I'm really enjoying uh, this series on the, on the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, you know, I, that, that means a lot to me when people say that. Some of you have given that sentiment as well, because uh, this is a unique kind of series. Usually when I study the Bible, I, uh, you know, I'm picking a somewhat larger portion of the text, say a story that Jesus had told, or if we're in the epistles, a, uh, you know, a paragraph or two, and I spend my whole week studying what I can in about 20 hours I have for message prep, you know, amidst all the other things I do, and so I, I do what I can. But, you know, when we do a series like this, in which uh, I got all week to study one word <laughs> in the Bible, one word. It's just amazing uh, how much joy I get out of that one. I, I really do. I did it during our Attitude series last year and now in the Fruits of the Spirit because it allows me to really go deep and study all the history of that word through the Greco-Roman world and then through the Old Testament and through the New Testament into the early church and to discover in Jesus' day all that people said, in this case, about kindness. And, and then to put it in context that when Jesus and the apostles spoke about kindness, what they would have been thinking and what it meant and what the Holy Spirit was inspiring. Are you getting a taste of the journey that I have throughout the week? And, and then to take all of that and to say, okay, i got to distill it down to about 35 or 40 minutes of teaching in the Word. I mean, that's a challenge, and that's what I do on Friday. It really is a joy for me to uh, be able to do this. I, I can't even believe that you all pay me to do that. Don't tell the elders that. But I, I really, I, I do enjoy it, and, uh, and it's a calling I have. Um, all that to say that this week I got so into it that I, I can't possibly, in the 37 and 26, 25, 24 seconds that we have left, um, communicate to you all that I need to on kindness. So I made a judgment call about midday Friday. I sent an email out saying that uh, we're going to make this a two-parter. So uh, I always leave room in a series to do that if needed. Uh, and so we're going to be uh, doing two weeks on kindness, uh, kindness part one today and then kindness part two uh, next week. And, and I would just comment as well that there's another reason I feel led to do it, and that's that some of you need it. So why don't we pray right now? <laughs> And my wife is saying right now, that wasn't very kind. But anyways, <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray right now. We're going to dive into God's word. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the depth, for the, the profundity, for uh, the, the, the purpose, the meaning uh, that you give us in your word. You know, God, we know it's your word to us. It's your truth. It's your life instructions. It's your love letter to us, to allow us to be the followers of you and your son Jesus, filled by your spirit that we're called to be. And so God, as we are slowing way down in a series like this and literally parking in front of these rich concepts communicated by one single word each of these nine weeks, I pray God that you would give us wisdom and insight. God, may the things that I say that are of you get through. Anything that I say that's of the flesh, may it be blocked. And God, may all of us uh, truly walk out of here today, uh, as we prayed earlier for these dear folks, uh, being changed a bit uh, in our spirits and even becoming more like Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So about two years ago, CBS News did a human interest story on this guy. 
His name is Jim O'Connor. He's a 70-year-old, never married, never had any kids, Vietnam vet, who was also a math teacher at a local Catholic school in the L.A. area. And he's known as a math teacher, and you can just kind of see it in his demeanor here, as being very tough. Uh, he didn't think calculus was for wussies. He, he believes that, 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 that math is a rugged discipline to learn. And, and so he was a very stern teacher, a very take-no-prisoners type of teacher. And, and as a result of that, many of the students respected him. They just didn't like him very much. Uh, to tell you kind of this guy's mindset, Jim O'Connor at one point said, it drives me crazy when people say school should be fun. I mean, it's nice if it could be, but you can't make school fun. You know the type. That's Jim O'Connor. And though he was a very, very good uh, calculus teacher, again, he certainly wasn't the most well-liked teacher at this Catholic school. Uh, but one day, all of that changed. And it changed because a group of seniors decided to do a senior project, and that's that they wanted to organize a blood drive among all the students in the school. And so they went to the uh, local LA Children's Hospital to talk to them about organizing a blood drive. And as they were in the administrator's office, at one point when she found out where they're from, the administrator said, oh my gosh, you must know Jim O'Connor. Isn't he wonderful? And the students were kind of quiet and didn't say much to that. And she said, well, let me show you. And she walked them down the hall uh, to where there was a plaque that listed the top all-time blood donors to L.A.'s Children's Hospital. And at the very top of the list uh, written there was Jim O'Connor, who had donated a total of 72 gallons of blood since 1989. Uh, saving countless lives in the process, uh, Jim O'Connor has given literally his blood to needy people. Uh, but it didn't stop there. Uh, they were also informed that Jim O'Connor spends three days. Uh, he's a substitute teacher at their school. He spends three days at the hospital every week where, watch this, he holds and rocks sick and dying babies. See, he never had kids himself. He never married. And his motto was, no kid should ever feel alone. They should never be alone. In fact, this is a direct quote from him. He says, you just can't do that. So he would come in three days just to hold babies so that the families who were dealing with these sick kids could get a break. As you can imagine, this completely changed the student's view of their math teacher, right? I mean, they went from seeing him as a stern old curmudgeon to this compassionate, tender-hearted guy uh, literally in one afternoon. As one student went on to say, I've always respected him, but now it's to an even different degree, really to the point that I want to emulate him. He went on to be their hero. See, guys, that's the power of kindness, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. That sometimes kindness is seen in the little corners of life that many times people might not see initially, but when they see it, it has the power to literally change everything around us. 
Uh, the Bible talks a lot about kindness. We're told that God is kind to us. Uh, the word kind appears in 1 Corinthians 13 in its description of love. Love is patient, love is kind. Uh, we're told in Titus 3, 4 that Jesus came to us in kindness. And kindness, as we're seeing in this series, now even makes God's top nine list as to what it looks like when his spirit lives in us. But the fruit of the spirit is, say it with me, kindness. And so that's what we need to talk about today. We need to spend a couple of weeks, all joking aside, talking about kindness as a church. Now, I want to begin, as I usually do uh, when I'm doing a series like this, by getting us all on the same page and clearly defining the term before us. Because again, these are relatively simple concepts that we're looking at in this series, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, but many people are hard-pressed to come up with a good definition of kindness. And if you saw our, our video earlier, what helped Marsha Meyer five years ago was when we defined what kindness is. And I'm going to broaden it a little bit from what we did a few years ago, but it's still going to get to exactly the same place. Here's the very broad definition of kindness. And that is that according to the Bible, kindness is a tangible, that's the key word, tangible expression of love. Now, that's what kindness is. It's a tangible expression of love. So let's start at this point. We've got to be really clear on this. Kindness is a subset of love. I mean, everything in the Bible goes back to love. God is a trinity of love who existed for all eternity in mutual relationality that binds them together, according to 1 John, is love. So the core of God is love. He wants our lives to be about love. But what the Bible also teaches us is that love does have its expressions, and one of the key expressions of love is to be kind. And kindness is the type of love expression that is very tangible in nature. It's fascinating. The Greeks of Jesus' day saw kindness as this, and I quote, doing good as to benefit another person. Now, that's the way the Greeks defined kindness. It's interesting. Given that definition, they never, hardly ever use the word kind to describe the Greek gods. Isn't that interesting? So like when they thought of Zeus and Hermes and Apollos and all the mythical Greek gods, they saw them as powerful and, and, and authoritative like that, but they, they never called them kind, which I find fascinating because as you're going to see here in the second, the Old Testament calls God kind all the time. Uh, Philo, who was a Jewish Greek writer of Jesus' day, referred to kindness as any time that you're helpful to another person. Uh, the Old Testament refers to kindness dozens of times, with the overwhelming majority of them talking about how God is kind and helpful to us. And then the New Testament would come along and explode this concept of kindness as to encompass how Jesus interacted with those around him through his healing, teaching, asking questions, doing miracles, feeding the poor, and things like that, or feeding the hungry and things like that. In fact, the New Testament writers would talk essentially about God's kindness and then link it to the fact that we need to be kind to each other and even to those outside the fold. And so let's add it all up. You got the Old Testament, the New Testament, even the Greek understanding of kindness in Jesus' day. And when you do a flyover of all of that, kindness really does become a tangible expression 
of God's love. Uh, kindness is when you do something for another person. We're going to argue today something good because kindness by the very nature of it has feet to it. It's love that people can experience. It's an expression of love that they can taste and feel from you. That's kindness. Now, it's at this point, however, that I think many people get confused about kindness. We can understand what it is, but here's where people get confused about kindness, and that is, what does it entail to be kind, right? I mean, it's one thing to say that kindness is a tangible expression of love, uh, but what does it mean then for you and I to be kind to one another? And it's here where the Bible is incredibly rich and profound. Because you see, the Bible will go on to posture this reality of kindness, now don't miss this, gang, in two distinct kinds of tangible expressions or types of tangible expressions. Uh, one of which I'm going to argue many people get today because it's what we equate with kindness. The other that I don't think a lot of people do get today but will be a great challenge to the church. And so here's what we're going to do for the remainder of our time today and then next week. We're going to take a look at these two different kinds of expressions, tangible expressions of kindness that the Bible talks about. We're going to take a look, take a look at the first one in the remainder of our time today, and then we're going to take a look at the second one next week. So if there was ever a time that you don't miss church the week after you go to church which many of you tend to do, but that's for another sermon. If there's ever a time that you don't do that, it, this is the time, because really next week is, is going to be a very pointed follow-up as we look at expression number two. Here's expression number one that the Bible lays out for us as to what kindness entails, and that is what we're simply going to call a physical expression or physical kindness. And by physical kindness, I simply mean literal acts of kindness, doing something tangible, helpful, and good to another person. It's Marsh's definition that we talked about five years ago that you saw in the video, that kindness is doing good to another person. That is very biblical, and it's the first of two expressions of how you and I are to be kind. Some would call this love in action. It's love that simply brings a tool belt to the party. And so check this out. In the Old Testament, when the word for kindness is used in light of God to us, this is what it says in Psalm 68, verses 9 and 10. It says, Rain in abundance, O Lord, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. And in your goodness, now the ESV translates this goodness, but in the Greek version of the Old Testament, it's the Greek word for kindness, translated in the New Testament, as you'll see in a second here, kindness. In your goodness or kindness, O oh God, you provided for the needy. So, so don't miss in the simple verse how it's defining kindness. Uh, kindness is, is defined as God providing rain in abundance uh, on a languishing land. It's God providing tangibly for his Israel, who at that time was needy, Right? So, so that's what kindness is, according to the Old Testament here. It's when God shows up on the scene and does something tangible, good for his people. And when that happens, God is described as being kind. Now hang on to that and look at another verse here. Same thing, Psalm 85, 12. Yes, the Lord will give you what is good, kind, 
and our land will yield its increase. So there it is again, that when God is kind to his people, something tangible has been imparted to them, something that they can taste, feel, and touch. He helped them, and in the process of doing that, it's kind. And then when the same word, by the way, this word kind is used like dozens of times in the Bible, hits the New Testament, we find Jesus now applying it to both God and us. So look at what Jesus says in Luke 6, 35. Jesus says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is, say it with me, kind, say it again, kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So, so again, this is the Greek word for kind here. I'm going to teach it to you next week. It's the Greek word krestos. Uh, but, but, but kindness here, don't miss, is linked to doing good and to loving others, your enemy. That, that, see, that's why we define kindness uh, the, the way that we do. Uh, kindness is love that does something for another. That's kindness. It's a physical expression of love. So let's conclude then up to this point, because we're going to take off here in a minute and get very, very practical. Let's just conclude at this point, hopefully all of you can feel this, that this expression of kindness, this first expression, is an incredibly high value to God. Give me a head nod that you all understand that one. See, why is that important? I think that's important because honestly, and I, and I tend to feel things from you guys before you even say them to me, but I can tell you after 35 years of being a Christian, 25 plus years of being a pastor, whenever the subject is kindness is broached, especially among some of you men, do you know what I feel from you? Well, yeah, 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 kindness. Okay, yeah, you're right. my wife's kind, you know, and women are kind, and you know, but that's kind of a feminine trait, and it's vanilla on its best day, and let's talk about something else. And that's kind of what I feel from some of us. So on our best day, we think that kindness is vanilla, and on our worst day, we think it's simply for the more feminine among us. And here's the deal, gang. We have to repent of that one. Amen? Let's take another run at that. We have to repent of that one. Amen? Amen. We really do. Because you're going to see here in a second. Look, if kindness is really a subset of love, think about this logically with me, then to the degree that we either dismiss kindness or don't give it the weight that God does is to the degree that we do not love. And to the degree that we do not love, this is not me, this is 1 John, is to the degree that we do not know God. So honestly, you, you can poo-poo kindness all you want. <laughs> you, you can say, nah, it's really not for me. The reality is, is that God is all about kindness. It's all over his word. It's in his demeanor toward you and I. It's a subset of this ethic of love, and he wants us to be kind. Now, in the few moments that we have remaining, I want to share with you a couple of very practical observations about this amazing biblical fruit of kindness that will transition us also into next week and what we have to look at next week, because I think next week's really going to blow you away on the other expression of kindness. But first, uh, notice with me that this is what we've learned then about kindness. What, one more verse, uh, up to the, or one more click, up to this point. And that is that kindness, the reason it's so important to God, has the power to transform lives. I, I think that's why God puts us such a premium on it. 
I think that's why God gauges our sanctification by kindness because he realizes that kindness can truly change the composition of a human heart. It can truly change the trajectory of a human life. And just so we're clear, kindness actually does so to three different groups of people when it shows up on the scene. Kindness changes those who obviously receive the kindness, then it changes those who do the kindness, and then it even changes those who observe the kindness. So honestly, when kindness is reigning, everybody wins. That's what the Bible seems to affirm. And think about it. Isn't this precisely what was going on in the news story that I told you about earlier, about this math teacher turned blood giver and baby holder? I mean, it was all about the fact that when they recognized this dude's kindness, everybody was a little bit rocked if not even transformed. Obviously, the babies and the families were transformed by his kindness, right? I mean, their lives are forever changed uh, by the kindness of Jim O'Connor. The students, their view of him was radically transformed by the kindness. And again, though the article never talked about it and I never met the guy, I gotta believe that Jim O'Connor's life has been changed by kindness, uh, by just following kindness. I don't know if it stems from faith or not in him, very well it might, and we'll talk about that in a second, the importance of faith and allowing the Spirit to be kind through us. But before we even get to that, just simply notice that kindness really does have teeth. It tends to change everyone involved. And let's talk about that right now for just a second. If that's true of just kindness in general, the kindness really can change people and soften hearts and focus people on the right things. Imagine what spirit-infused kindness might do in the life of another person. You're saying what spirit-infused kindness? Simply the kindness that comes out of you because you love Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit inside you and the Holy Spirit nudges you each moment of each day to be kind to somebody around you with the full power of the Holy Spirit uh, behind you. Imagine what that kind of kindness might do in the hands of God in transforming lives. And imagine what that kind of kindness will do when an entire church gets it and begins to treat people that way. I have an uh, article at home. I didn't bring it. I uh, it's actually was saving it for next week, but it, I realized last night it fits in today's message. There's an article I read this week in my study about an atheist in Britain who uh, kind of wanted to, to show that most Christians and churches aren't very kind. And so kind of like the Josh McDowell journey, this atheist started to, to visit a bunch of churches in Britain, and, and he basically concluded after visiting about a dozen churches that he was dead wrong, that these people, were, if nothing else, are just extremely kind. Because he said he walked onto the campus of these churches and people greeted him right away and seemed at least happy to see him. And then he'd go in and they did the same. And then he'd go through the church service and afterward people would talk to him and he said, you know, I go to a lot of atheist meetings and they never receive me that way. <laughs> and so at the very least, he concluded that these churches seemingly are filled with an awful lot of kindness in them. And I thought, well, that's exactly the way it should work, that, that we should be the most kind people on planet Earth because for crying out loud, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. 
who's nudging us each moment of each day, really in only nine directions. Have you caught it yet? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so honestly, we have no excuse. And this expression of kindness draws people to Jesus. And even sometimes without using any words, it gets them focused on Jesus because of our kindness. You know, I try to monitor a lot the kindness quotient at Scottsdale Bible Church. I really do. Because I, uh, I just, I, I, I love the church. Let me preface what I'm about to say with that. I love you guys. Can I say that again? I love you guys, okay? But, but I'm about to be just a little bit prophetic with you. But one of the reasons I have to monitor kindness at the church level is because sometimes Christians cannot be very loving or kind. I, I, Marshall Shelley said it best. He said that the Christian church is filled with a lot of well-intentioned dragons. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's harsh, isn't it? Yeah. I, well, it's even harsher. Somebody once said the church is the only army that shoots its own wounded. And so the reality is, is that the church can at times, and this breaks my heart, be a rather nasty place. And so as a pastor, I'm constantly monitoring that to make sure that relationally as well as physically, uh, we are remaining kind. Uh, Larry Anderson, who's one of my, my heroes, he's a pastor up in North Scottsdale, was one of our senior pastors here before me, uh, once said to me, he said, you know, if Christians could just learn to be kind, there'd be no stopping us. Because that kindness would carry a lot more weight than people might realize. And, and so I'm constantly monitoring that. I, I, I want to be careful with this illustration, but I, th I think it's, it's true. You know, I, I'm more sensitive than people realize. And, um, you know, there's times, I, I can't even look at social media half the time. Because when I look at social media, like if I do a Google search on Jamie Rasmussen and I read reviews of me, it's not very, I don't like it. And so uh, there's just times where, and we had a guy visit our church like seven years ago when I first got here, you know, and he was a, a church reviewer, you know, he goes on the nation reviewing, and, and, and he called me pudgy. And I didn't like that. And so, you know, <laughs> it's true, but I didn't like it. And so... You know, I, I, just, I just, I have a thin skin there more than you guys would realize. And, you know, since we started our Compelled by Grace campaign, there's been a couple of reviews on our church, just a couple. I mean, we usually get very good reviews, but there's been a couple that I thought have been grossly unfair. And, and they carry this vein, and that is that people visit our church and they've said, it's just an upper middle class wealthy church and it's spending $20 million on themselves. How dare they? That's the very nature of it. And then they usually mention my name associated with it, you know, and Jamie Rasmussen is leading them down that road. And, and, I, and I think to myself, without trying to be defensive, because I, I really don't want to get defensive about it, but I think to myself, if they only knew. I, I mean, honestly, if anybody thinks that we didn't give thought to raising $23 million for in our capital campaign to, to, to what that money could go for, because that's some vain criticism we get, is you could have given that to the poor. And to the, they didn't think we gave thought to that. They, they don't think we think very deeply. Here's the rationale behind it, just so you know. We did spend about $20 million on this campus and then establishing the Mountain Valley campus, and, and we did so because our campus was tired, and, and yet we are one of the prevailing churches here in the valley, and we wanted to strengthen our church, as we said, for years to come. Uh, it took us 30 years to wear out this campus, uh, so we put a lot of dough into it right now, so that as we declared, it will be set now for the next 50 years, should the Lord tarry. That was the logic behind it. Now, let me really show you what that means. Uh, we have a $10 million yearly budget in this church. Our offerings will actually be about $12 million, and you're saying, why is that? 
Well, out of the $10 million that you guys give to Scottsdale Bible Church, 10% uh, right off the top goes to missions. And missions is all about kindness. It's helping people. We have doctors in Papua New Guinea. We have two villages in Tanzania. Uh, we support neighborhood ministries. Matthew 25, Phoenix Rescue Mission. I mean, a lot of what we do missions-wise is all about kindness and helping those in need. One million off the top goes to that. But you guys are so generous that an additional two million will come in in any given year, two million dollars, that goes directly to kindness. And you're saying what? Well, 800 children are supported in Tanzania getting food, water, and education through you guys. Uh, our elder fund gives $400,000 away every year directly to those in need in our community. We do special offerings like Haiti, the Philippines, neighborhood ministries, most recently San Lucas, building a hospital wing in one of the poorest parts of Mexico. We do tangible drives here all the time. We do drives for shoes, coats, food, water. I mean, we're constantly saying, how can we be kind? When you add it all up, now watch this, every year, Almost 30% of the money that comes into Scottsdale Bible Church goes directly into kindness, directly. And that's assuming that the other 70%, which supports our ministries, has no kindness in them at all, which I don't think would be a good assumption. But let's just throw that out for now. 30%, $3 million to $4 million, we have it documented, every year of your tithe money goes directly to providing a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus to somebody in need. Now, multiply that by 50 years. It's 150 to $200 million goes directly to kindness. And they wonder why we were willing to spend $20 million to keep this place afloat for another 50 years, should the Lord tarry. See, see that's the logic that our elders were thinking behind this. We're rabid about kindness. God has given us a church that we are proud of and that we need to steward in a very, very wonderful way. And the reality is, is that we need to protect what we call Scottsdale Bible Church so that we can continue to be kind. I have yet to find a way how I can put that in a response on Google reviews, but one of these days, maybe I will. No, don't do that. Kindness really does have the power to transform lives. And this brings me to the second practical observation, and with this we're going to be done. And, and this one you guys got to take home with you here today. Please take this home with you today. And that is that we need to see, even before we get to next week, that all of us have the spirit-empowered bandwidth to be more kind. I, uh, I know what some might say to this. So they say, well, what if I'm not a follower of Jesus? Well, then I'll grant you that. You don't have the spirit-empowered bandwidth to be more kind. Is that clear enough? But if you are a follower of Jesus here today, even if you're beat up and bruised, even if you're hurting, even if you're a little bit backslidden, here's what my Bible tells me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is rabid that your life is about kindness. And so you, at any given moment, have the bandwidth inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit to be more kind. And all I'm simply asking each of us to do today is to simply do an audit each and every moment of each day and simply ask yourself, how kind am I really? My wife tells me on a regular basis, and she's wonderful about it, that I could use more kindness in my life. 
I, I think it's hard when you're a leader. I'm not making an excuse, but I think when you're a, some of you CEOs will get this, when you're more of a hard-driving leader that has to make tough decisions that benefit an entire organization and doesn't favor one person necessarily over the other, it's very hard to, 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 to always err on the side of kindness. And my wife tells me I need to do that. And I, I think she's right. I think I need to look for more opportunities to be kindness. Uh, God blindsided me about four or five months ago uh, in this area. I was on a plane. I was traveling back from the Midwest here to Phoenix, and um, on this particular plane ride, I got upgraded to first class. Now, let me just say something right now. I don't fly first class very often. Somebody wrote me a letter a while back saying, I saw you in first class. Did our church pay for that? Don't you love Christians? And so, you know, they asked me that. And I didn't mind. I didn't mind. I said, nope. I said, nope, I can tell you right now, you did not pay for that. I do not have the church pay for first class tickets for the pastor. I, I'm back there and coach with all the rest of you, but I do have elite status, meaning the, the lowest elite status on American. And once in a while, it's a lot worse than it ever was, but once in a while, like one out of 10 times, I'll get upgraded. And on this particular flight, I was dog tired. I was coming back from a, a trip where I was doing ministry. And, and, and the night before, when I printed out my boarding pass, I noticed they upgraded me. And, I, and I'll confess, I, I said to myself, thank you, God. I, I, I really, I want this. I, I'll enjoy the meal because obviously I'm wasting away to nothing. And I, and I really, <laughs> I, I need this meal. And, and, and I will say, and, I, and I'm repenting of this, but I thought in my mind, and you know what I also love about first class is that there's hardly any children in first class. I... <laughs> I just thought I, I, I will enjoy that because I love kids. I'll say it again, I love kids, but I, I, I don't like them when I'm in a, an 18-inch seat like a sardine and, and they're screaming next to me. That's just not enjoyable. And I was really tired and I didn't want that. So I was really looking forward to being in first class. And as I was getting on the plane, I noticed that there were a few mothers, you know, with young children, and I thought, well, they don't look like first class, so I think I'm okay, and you know, and, and, and I, uh, no, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing, it was wrong. And, and I sat on my seat, and I watched them walk by me, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a glorious ride. True story, the guy behind me all of a sudden calls the flight attendant over, and he says to her, he says, you know, I noticed that there was one particular young mother with a very young infant, and I don't think she should be in coach. I'd be more than willing to give up my seat for her. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I am so sinful. I really am, because I... I thought to myself, you idiot, you idiot. You are ruining it for all of us. <laughs> I did, and I, I confess that I thought that. And, and you know, the flight attendant, I mean, she was moved. She said, oh, that is so kind. She goes, you're just wonderful. And so she calls back, and I'm like, oh, man. She calls back to the lady in the back, and she says, a guy wants to give up his seat. She goes, okay, I'll check and let you know. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I'm going back there too then, you know, and all this. And, <laughs> And I kid you not, the, lady, the flight attendant calls up from the back and says, um, I'm, she's with four other people, and one of them's her, her mother and her sister, and so she can't come up unless there's four of you willing to do it. <laughs> and I said, well, hey, there ain't four of us willing to do that. So, so I sort of settled into my seat, you know, and I'm kind of smiling, and, you know, I'm thinking, all right, good. Now, this is redemption happening here, and I'm so smug and self-satisfied and about a half an hour into the flight I, I i get up to go to the bathroom i kid you not this is so god i get up to go to the bathroom and the guy i couldn't see him, the guy who had offered the seat catches my eye i can always tell i can always tell when people are looking at me he catches my eye and he goes pastor jamie 
Oh, no, no! And I knew right away this is a guy from our church. I go, stink. I go, yeah, I'm, I'm Jamie Ray. He goes, I know who you are. He goes, you know, I go to Scottsdale Bible, and I go to the venue, and it's so great to meet you and all this. And I go, well, it's good to meet you. You know, his name's John and all, young guy, great family, you know. And, and then I said to him, I said, well, I noticed what you did, you know, for that young gal. I said, that was pretty amazing. And I kid you not, I looked at me and said, well, isn't that what Christians are supposed to do? And I walked into the bathroom and I said to the Lord, I get it, I get it. That was about four or five months ago. Actually, he was here last night, John was, and he came up to me afterward and, I, and we laughed about it because he said, I had no idea of any of that. He said, I had no idea you were thinking that. I had no idea you were feeling that. And I said, yeah. I said, I'm more sinful than you know. <laughs> Ever since that time, you know what I've been doing? And I really mean this. I've been looking for opportunities to be kind. I, I'll be frank with you guys, and we've got to wrap this up, but it's, it's, it's not in my fallen fleshly nature to be kind. How about you? So some of you guys are that way. I get that. I had a gentleman here who wished me a happy Valentine's Day, you know, was talking about my message a few weeks ago when I was, you know, sharing about my disturbed spirit and how I don't wake up naturally joyful. And he said, you know, I wake up every day really joyful, you know. And I said, well, I hope you thank God for that because... He's blessed you with that. I don't. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm also not naturally, naturally the most kind person. How about you? I'm defensive. I can be vengeful. Not proud of any of this. I'm insecure. And so there's times where I know if I'm left to my own flesh, I will not be loving. I will not be kind. I won't be patient. We're going to get to gentleness in a few weeks. Yikes, I won't be that either. But I know that with God's Holy Spirit residing in me, loving me, being kind to me, being patient with me, which is all that he is to me, that he has said, you have more bandwidth, you, bandwidth in you, Rasmussen, than you realize to be kind. And, and at least for me, over the last few months, since that amazing thing on the airplane where God just sabotaged me with truth, I've realized you need to up the ante I'm being kind. Last story and we're done. I was studying Friday for the message and that's always a scramble for me. I lead a pretty busy life. I got a lot on my plate here and so it's always, I gotta get my study and I gotta get my study in. And my wife called me at about one o'clock on, on Friday afternoon and said, um, I, I know you're studying, but uh, she goes, I have a migraine. Uh, I'm feeling terrible and, uh, and I need you to go pick up a dress for, for Hannah for an event she has tonight. I thought, oh my gosh, well, this is not a, an opportune time for that, but hey, you know, be kind, you know, things like that. And I thought, she is your wife, and, and you love her and all that. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I kid you not, she said, okay, it's, it, it's over in Peoria. <laughs> I'm like, Illinois. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's like, seriously, like Peoria. I didn't even know where that was. Honestly, I'm doing a Google map. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even shepherd south of Shea. I mean, this is like <laughs> Peoria. I go, golly, what do you have, charter a helicopter to get over there? I'm like, but I said, I love my wife. I want to talk next week about kindness and marriage. And I love my wife, I really do, but I'm not always kind. Uh, her love language, because she came from a robust blue-collar family, her love language is to do something for me. I'm verbal, so my, just tell me you love me and I'm fine, you know? But I know my wife's love language, and so I didn't even blink 
I said, well, we're going to make this a two-parter. <laughs> See where I'm going with this? Now you know the truth. That's the truth. I decided on my way to Peoria. Well, part two next week. Because this is where we stop. Let's pray. All right. God, I thank you that you sabotage our hearts, that you prick our consciences, that you, in, with incredible grace, but with a velvet hammer, reveal to us these amazing fruits of the Spirit. And God, they really are fruits of the Spirit. This is not our to-do list. This is what you empower in us because you're kind to us. God, I pray for any of us here today as we think about this this week, may at the very least we recognize that if we're a follower of you, we have more bandwidth to be kind and that you empower our kindness to make a dent in people's lives for your good and for your spirit. May we live that this week, I pray in Christ's name. And we all say together, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.